0: And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. In today's episode of Complicated Conversations, we are joined by KJ Delantonia, KJ is the author of the instant New York Times bestseller, The Chicken Sisters, a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. She is the former editor of the New York Times Motherload, as well as the author of the nonfiction book, How to Be a Happier Parent. Her second novel, In Her Boots, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, KJ.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. So, on this podcast, we focus on complicated women. Of course, we want to start with Rhett, AKA Maggie Strong, her pen name. She has become famous for writing a book in the voice of her inner superhero, the modern pioneer girl. The MPG persona was an aspirational for Rhett, someone who wants she wanted to be or hopes to become. But when we first meet her, she isn't quite ready or sure of herself. We'd love to know about your development of Rhett, how you came up with her, what inspired her, or what challenges you had in writing her.
1: So, red kind of stems from my fascination with people on social media in general, and in particular with the sort of, I see the distinction between people who really want to be famous on social media and people who don't. And of course, you'd say most of them are not on social media, but some people kind of have this thrust upon them. And to some degree, I was kind of thinking about Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, and her sure. book, Eat, Pray, Love, which people loved or hated. Yes. Um, I happen to have loved. Same. And I think she's really grown into being like a big person on the internet. But I, she didn't start out that way by any means. And I mean, I was I was sort of, it ranged from thinking about her to thinking about someone in the shoes of someone like Monica Lewinsky. And whatever you think of that politically, I don't think there's anyone who thinks that's what that poor person planned was for their signing life. up for. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, mistakes were made. And And who can't say that?
0: Yeah. So I was just
1: thinking about, you know, what it would be to be someone who had a story they wanted to tell but did not want necessarily this larger piece of it and got it thrust upon them and then felt the need to live up to it, right? So that's really where Rhett came from was this idea of her having, in part, kind of written this modern pioneer girl for her. And it is her true story, and it is a life she has led, but it's also a a way she struggles to be in the world. So I, I got really interested in that.
0: Yeah, well that is really fascinating and not kind of what I expected, because how do you know You got to decide beforehand, right? You can't decide after you become Elizabeth Gilbert to go, "Oh no, I'm going to be this quiet person." I can't. You can't do it then. So you have to decide before.
1: I mean, you you know, you could, you could not. You know, you just not do the social media piece of it. But that's actually really hard in our our current world. It's an expected piece of being a public person
0: for any reason yeah and it's expected from your team it's also expected from the people who are reading or consuming your content yeah. so yeah it comes from from all directions do you have an alter ego <laughs> the inner superhero oh, kind i'm to. gonna i'm now gonna create one for myself i think i need one
1: yeah when I was growing up my best friend and I had some we called her today's action woman and it was a joke but it wasn't a joke yeah. you know it was like what would today's action woman it, it was because you can tell by the name and we yes. were just being silly but also I just yes that came back to me as I was giving Rhett this idea of the modern pioneer girl I was like Listen, oh, what if she yeah she made her up for that reason
0: silly things can be useful too. They can be useful tools, right? Well, In Her Boots is described as a story about the gap between the adults we think we have become, the child our mother will always see, and our horrible fear that our mother is right. (laughs) We have a real fascination with mommy issues on this podcast. We talk about the mother-daughter dynamic in any book that we can, and you've really dialed it up in this one, which we love, making her mom the antagonist uh, as her nemesis. Now, you wrote in your acknowledgements, that you thank your mom for knowing that you are never writing about her, <laughs> but yet you really nail the complexities of the mother-daughter relationship. We'd love to know why you wanted to explore that as the central conflict of the story.
1: I find that hard to answer.
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> right? Like what?
1: Just, yeah, I don't know where these these complicated mothers and daughters come from, other than just being a woman in the world with lots and lots and lots of female relationships and feeling, you know, actually that a lot of the voices inside my head do come from my parents absolutely and even though I say I have a great relationship with my mom and I do that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes hesitate to confront something with her or hear the voice in you know my father's voice in my head criticizing the gap in my teeth which I literally at you can see me at age 35 I went "Eh, no gap in my teeth (laughs) Because yeah. he used like, to spend a lot of time going, why do we have spend all that money on orthodontics? Why do you have a gap in your teeth? Like, yeah. Actually, don't. Yeah,
0: so, yeah the voice thanks is...
1: Dad. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Thanks, Dad, for fun like this for you know, 12 yeah. years um, or longer. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think... And, of course, I have my own kids now. My daughters are in their teens. And to, to think about what is it that I am inadvertently saying that they're oh going to hear for gosh. the rest of their lives is really fascinating to me.
0: Oh, my mother has thick, pin straight hair. And all my life... This is ironed, what you're looking at. This is all <laughs> ironed out. I have kind of frizzy hair. And she would always be like, your hair? What? And now I think... I saw it then as disgust. As an adult, I now know it was kind of like confusion, but curiosity, because now I have a daughter who has very different hair than I do. And I'm always like, huh, like, what is that? And I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say it. Because that's not how it comes out. It just is not. When it's from your mother, that's not how it sounds to you. So, oh boy. Yeah. The sandwich between, and I, I also... My mom's mom is still alive. Wow. Yeah. And we just saw them for Fourth of July, and I was like, oh, gosh, it's too much. My mom's mom, my mom, me, and my daughter. I'm like, it just... Was enough to that's impact. a lot
1: of, that's a lot of intensity there. And you know, oh, I God. think to some degree I write about the intensity because my relationship with my mother is fairly quiet but probably sure. deeper than I focus on. So, yeah. I think maybe sometimes I would like to get more of that out there. So, yeah. I just get it out there in fiction instead of confronting it. it in reality, which would be very painful and difficult.
0: <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I that's how I work things out too on the on the page fictional characters and turn it up. And, If anybody
1: ever teaches my mother to use Instagram, I will find them and kill them. Because that's like the one place she is not
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. I'll take them down. That's (laughs) right. Okay. Rhett struggles over the course of this book to figure out who she really is. And while she's doing that and investigating, she sees a lot in Louisa. Similarities, patterns. As Rhett, you write... It was hard to be proud of your work when it meant hiding a part of yourself from people who were important to you. It might feel safer. Nobody knew that better than I did. No matter how hard you tried to convince yourself that it was better for everyone if you pretended to fit into their expectations, all it really did was turn the roles we were playing into walls that became harder and harder to tear down. Oh, man, that hit us in the best way possible when we were reading it. I mean, I think this is, forget about family. I think everybody deals with it with family. I think it's the work of a woman even beyond that. The expectations that come from society, from our families, from messages we see that may be inadvertent or some of them not so. And that's the work of kind of taking down what you thought you were supposed to become and becoming who you really are. Easier said than done. I think it's a lifelong process, if not beyond. (laughs) So you go on in that passage to say the wall's keep us in and that makes us feel safe but they also keep people out and we can't be accepted if we don't show those things can you talk about writing this scene was it easy for you and who in that moment were you more embodying or were you having a dialogue with yourself were you Rhett Louisa both in your lifetime I'm sure we've we've all been both
1: I think we've all been both. And I think a lot of this book really comes from me realizing as I got older that I spend a lot more time thinking about who I'm perceived to be than about who I actually am. Lots of time thinking about my, my clothes and my hair and my outward appearance. And then about like, am I coming across cool enough? Am I looking too worried about this thing? Will people think that I cared about this thing I didn't get? Will people Will people think? Will people think? Will people think? And it's just this constant voice voice my head and I and he has a constant voice in all of our heads. So yes. to have Rhett actually realize that at a moment when she had a you know a choice that she could make that, that would change it at least a little for her was really fun for me. And that was one of the last things that i wrote mm. that in the the chicken sisters the beginning and the middle i wrote more often and and more at, towards the end in this book the ending got rewritten again and again and again as i really dug down into what mm. it was that red actually had to figure out for herself um, and also, you know, we, we rarely as real people have a, have a moment where, well, we do, we, you know, we have moments where these things become clear, but then we go back and make the same mistake again. Oh, we have another yes. moment, have the same mistake again. We have another moment and we keep doing that. So, you know, the nice thing about a story like this is we can see Rhett come to something, even though she'll probably make the mistake sure. again you know, a month from now. <laughs> yeah. Need another book.
0: But yeah exactly. But until it's in our consciousness, I think it can't do anything. And yeah, okay, we have the idea, we but we also can't expect overnight instant change, right? So, yeah. I think that's the balance of it. And why it's worth having those moments. And I think right before that, you know, she's having the moment where she says, I wish I didn't write the book. And Luis is saying, I wish I didn't do this project. And it's always worth it. And even if it doesn't change your life in one way or another, in case you didn't know, I'm maybe speaking to myself too <laughs> Like, what I, Yay! this stuff I got from your book, oh, so good. So, well, I wanna talk a little bit about um, in your extended bio, you talk about growing up in Texas and Kansas and then also spending your 20s locked in a struggle to marry, I'm going to quote from your website here, a struggle (laughs) to marry her upbringing with the mysterious ways of Manhattan and East Coast culture and reconcile career choices that included practicing law at Cravath, Swain and Moore, and the New York County District Attorney's Office with her childhood desire to be Anne of Green Gables, only with more publishing success, which you're there. But (laughs) I mean, Kate and I are both lawyers, both worked at Big Law, not Cravath, but same culture. They're all the same. Yes. And I had part of my growing up experience was in a rural area as well. So I have always struggled to marry those two parts of myself. Now, I think when I was younger, I couldn't wait to become the other part, become the New York City. Mm -hmm. park avenue attorney and then when i got there i was like wait have i left that other part behind and and how can i still integrate that part of myself and how does that work and so we wanted to know too you seem to have really integrated it well (laughs) living on a farm having these this resume and now this life do you feel that way that's how it looks from Um, the outside
1: that might be the exceptional thing in which the the outside and the inside they they come they do okay the truth is that anybody in in my small town would tell me why <laughs> she's not from here uh, because yeah. that's how small mm. towns are and I, I make a lot of stupid mistakes around um, <laughs> around farming and animals although I'm getting, I'm getting better every year I make a few, a few less every year but I think that I have been we on our podcast hashtag I'm writing we never let people say they got lucky because mm. it's always you worked hard and you got lucky that's how we insist so I will say it that way I worked hard and I got lucky which is to say that um i do have the the gold stars and the ability to Appear in yeah. my vision of other other people's eyes as someone who's got both the New York version of success and, to some extent, the the country version of success by having animals in the pretty yeah uh, surroundings. At least not and
0: so those large. walks and hikes we love to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We landed really well here. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, knocking knocking on wood over <laughs> here. But some of that, I mean, that wasn't even possible when we first moved here, and I had this horrible baby at he he doesn't like yes. that now Yes, <laughs> and um, all babies are horrible and, yes. and no career anymore and this you know a completely unknown and unknowable place i mean this was worse than manhattan hmm. from because manhattan at least you're expected to pretend like nobody's really sure. from there right. i mean they are yeah. they are but by and large you know you're coming everybody's coming everybody's coming in with that Goal. Whereas this is a you know small and insular rural place with very few jobs. If you don't come here with one, so mm. to have uh, come here as a as a trailing spouse sucked.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just
1: really, really, really sucked.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't imagine when you're like trying hard harder to make it when you leave New York City. <laughs> it's like it's
1: that. Really like <laughs> I have to, I just have to not be only. You know, I I just I I really struggled with. Uh, losing that huge chunk of my identity.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can relate to that very much. So... I can relate to that on many levels. I'm not going to go into that this is a therapy podcast, but you're obviously speaking my language and I just wanted to tell you that. Kate and I are also both, even aside from losing that identity, Kate and I just generally are white knuckle kind of type A, holding on to life with both hands, though sort of in different ways for us. One of our cures for this affliction is astrology. Weird question, I know. But it just reminds us that some things are kind of simply out of our control. Mm -hmm. Maybe they are destined might be too strong of a word, but it just reminds us that maybe today is everything's going to go wrong and it's not going to be personal and it's not going to be because I screwed it up. It's just going to be. So my question is kind of two part. I wanted to know what your astrological sign is and whether you think it reflects your personality and then also what gives you relief from that grip on life.
1: Uh, my sign is Leo, oh, um, and I do think that reflects my personality, although I'm very much on the cancer cusp, and I would not say that the cancer cusp does. That's not, yeah. at least I've never, maybe I don't want that part of me. <laughs> um, and I don't know, again, you can see me, your listeners probably can't, but this, there's a deck of Tarot cards, yes! Yeah, and, uh, and uh, this whole stack of turned books, which isn't turned for any like secret reason, it's just that's the stack that's of plenty, they were. is all tarot books. And that's partly because my next book, which I haven't sold oh. yet and no one may ever read, has a huge tarot plot. And partly because I'm fascinated, because if you're not fascinated, um, oh. you don't, right. you don't it choose doesn't, to integrate yeah. these things. Ninety thousand words. Fiction. Yeah. So yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about control and the fact that we don't have any, and how much uh, how much I dislike that. Yes. And that is absolutely what I'm writing about the next time around. It's also go back to the Chicken Sisters. It was a struggle that May, in particular, dealt with there. Red, yeah. I think, doesn't. That's not her outward struggle in the same way. I think she would probably tell you she did have control still. So yeah, you know, but yeah,
0: she right, dealt with. But her issue is not asking for help. Yeah, that's (laughs) part of it too. I know for me that is a big part of it. Okay, really interesting. I have not yet delved into the tarot, but It is the thing. (laughs) Yeah, that is the thing. Writers talk about that the most, whether it's for inspiration and also for kind of letting go of your grip on things and and reading into something that you didn't have control over. It seems to be very popular, so I don't know why I'm behind the ball on that. (laughs) We normally ask our authors what they're loving right now, but the answer to that question, and I still will ask you, but the answer to that question is very evident from your social media. You are so (laughs) generous with your praise and support of other authors. And I wondered what motivates you to be so vocal about what others might deem as competition.
1: Well, two thoughts. And the first is the great thing about being a writer is nobody was ever like, ooh, I read a romance, really liked it. Done with that now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I read a book. Girl, uh, yeah. no, stop! I mean, there are people that you know that read more, and people that read less. But by and large, if you liked my book and it and it yanked you out of yourself and it, and it helped you, you know, to have a great afternoon when you might not have had, you're you're going to look for that experience again and again. So that's part of it. Yes. Um, I don't have to feel. I mean, you know, as writers, we compete for some pieces of pie. But my pie's been big, so that has been great. But even before then, I when I write because I read. I'm a passion. Reader, I've spent all my life reading. Uh, one of the voices I hear irritated in my head is that co- my parents constantly complaining that I have a nut- my nose in my book. To which I'm like, Why? Yeah. Why would you complain about? It? I would not say that to my child. Um, so yeah, I, I just I would love. I love to read and to get to share the things that have given me the experience that I look for when I, when I read is just, I I just, I love it. I love that there's a platform for that. So that part of social media, I, I adore.
0: It makes so much sense, but then I wonder why everyone doesn't do it. And I'm like, this does make sense, and and there are other authors that do, but oh, lots, um, yeah, but yeah, then, yeah,
1: yeah. There are there are definitely the authors that just well, you keep know, to maybe their own focused more on their process yes. and and sharing that, which is a great thing to share, yeah, as as, as well. well. But I just really, really, I'm, uh, you know forcing other people to read books I like. It's
0: yeah. one of my well, favorite things to do. I gotta tell you, your enthusiasm and excitement over the things that you share is always, it's, it's infectious. So it's not only that you do it, it is, for me, I have such admiration for the passion with you, with which you do it. So what are you loving right now? Is there anything you want to pass I, on? to?
1: I am. I'm loving a book called The Truth About Ben and June. Um, oh, I think yes. your listeners would adore it. Alex Keister is yeah. the author, and I am, it's pretty rare for me to, to read Recommend a book before I've uh, finished it, but I'm I'm pretty sure she's gonna stick the landing. I'm I'm getting really close. I just couldn't stay up that late last night, so it's really really good and unexpected. Just a different use of the dual male female POV that I really love. So
0: I I, recommend. Yeah, I I've seen that one too, and that's what I'm hearing. uh, Kind of unexpected. Which before I heard that, I'm like it seems a little tired, but no, it seems like it's not this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, yeah. that's not. I mean, and sometimes, you know, somebody just reinvents something that's been done yes. before in a fun way. Yeah. That's not, this is not at all. This yeah. is just a really, a really neat literary exploration of the way that our identity identities change when we have a kid. And, and the challenge that that presents to ourselves and to our relationships. Really, I, I really like it.
0: Good, good, really good. well done. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Because there's so many ways and interesting ways.
1: The best thing place to find me is, def- is definitely Instagram, where I am at KJDA. And then you can find me on my website, which is KJDelAntonia.com. And I send out a vaguely weekly newsletter that is uh, read, eat, listen. So it's something to read, something to either make or eat, and something, a podcast, an audiobook, an audio experience to listen to.
0: Love that. And your podcast, too, which I'm a huge fan. Of you said you, you mentioned it before hashtag m writing um, yeah it's is a another. podcast
1: for writers in all genres that's really about the work of getting the work done
0: oof yeah which is a whole other thing it is it is it is all right well thank you so much in her boots is out now if you missed the chicken sisters because you were living under a rock that is also <laughs> out now so grab them both you would not regret it thank you this has been Pop Fiction Women with corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.